Hello, this is FTW with Imad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm Imad Khan of Tom's Guide. Last week, Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers of U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California ruled on the Apple vs. Epic Games lawsuit. This was a suit that occurred after Apple kicked Fortnite off the App Store for circumventing Apple's payment method, which would give the phone maker a 30% cut of all sales, including for in-game skins and accessories. Judge Gonzalez Rogers' ruling wasn't the win that neither Apple or Epic were expecting. While she felt that Apple wasn't engaging in monopolistic practices with the App Store, she also felt that Apple had to remove its anti-steering rules which banned developers from using other purchase systems. Joining me today is Adi Robertson, a senior reporter at The Verge. She's been covering tech policy, gaming, and virtual worlds since 2011. Adi, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. You know, uh, when I read your piece, I really liked Versus like the other pieces I read regarding this lawsuit was just kind of how matter of fact it was and how kind of blunt you were. You know, it's it, it definitely does feel like you have a deep understanding of the intricacies of this lawsuit and these types of tech lawsuits in general. And I guess that leads into my first question in that a lot of uh, lawsuits that occur in the tech space, it's this is all like uncharted territory. And oftentimes half the challenge is just trying to get a judge that really understands the weird nuances of all of this. And going through, at least reading about Judge Rogers' ruling, she seemed very nimble and adept at all of this. I mean, I, I think the first thing that came to my mind was her ability to kind of understand that um, Fortnite, for example, is a game and games work differently than other apps. So therefore, its monetization model is different. I mean, am I kind of reading too much into this? Or, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Rogers actually... Uh, was the right judge for this type of suit? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Judge Gonzalez Rogers's ruling is, first of all, incredibly detailed. Like, she clearly takes a bunch of these questions very seriously, even if she also is like thinks that both Apple and Epic are kind of silly sometimes. <laughs> and yeah, she spent about a lot of time looking at just basic things like is Fortnite a game and seems to yeah really grasp how people engage with a lot of these apps and services and like hardware so you know I, let's go into the lawsuit itself i mean adi do you feel that epic argued its argument well uh, or do you think most people think it did i think that certainly parts of its argument it argued well it brought in some witnesses like um one of the people who ran a company called down dog uh, mm -hmm. that was a yoga app and that was a pretty cogent witness talking about how Apple places restrictions on the store that feel very strongly anti-competitive. Mm -hmm. In a lot of other places, as Judge, Judge Gonzalez Rogers points out, Epic relied a lot on anecdotal evidence or it ended up not really arguing some of its points particularly at all. Um, certainly there were places that she called out a lot of Apple's arguments, but Epic clearly could have in some places made a stronger case. Part of the issue is also that they were trying to argue over this market that it turned out the judge just rejected. She decided that actually the suit was about a monopoly in a completely different market and mm -hmm. noted that it's possible that Apple and Epic could both have mustered more convincing arguments if they understood that that was where this was going to go. Yeah, you know, I, uh, looking at Tim Sweeney's Twitter account, he seemed kind of upset with the ruling, um, which I think caught some of us online a little surprised because to take on Apple and to kind of win on any affront seems like a really big deal. Uh, I mean, in, in, in your article, you kind of you, you essentially said that both companies kind of lost, but the consumer kind of won. Could you kind of explain what you mean by that? 
Oh, I mean, mostly that we haven't had a lot of these cases to even really clarify what the issues are in this. Mm -hmm. And for one thing, anti-steering rules, which is the thing that Apple lost on, they're a really straightforward case of consumers not being able to get information that could otherwise help them. It's a thing that really was not actually part of the original dispute between Apple and Epic or was just a huge just a very distant tangent in it. But it's one of these things that, first of all, matters to a lot of developers. And second of all, it is in a lot of ways really purely pro-competitive and seems like kind of uncomplicatedly a good thing that developers are allowed to give consumers more information. Mm-hmm. So Epic did file an appeal. And do you think Epic will, do you think Epic can actually gain more from filing filing this appeal now that it kind of understands the nature of the arguments that it needs to make uh, going forward? It's possible. And and just to be clear, Epic, it's stated that it intends to file an appeal. Mm. We haven't seen the appeal itself yet. Yes, I think that this was a huge lawsuit that was covering a lot of ground. And it's possible that an appeal is going to focus it and is going to make Epic pick its battles a little bit more carefully. Yeah. You know, I think one of uh, Apple's main arguments, at least, you know, listening to the conversation with Tim Cook and Kara Swisher on the Sway podcast over by the New York Times, um, he mentioned that, you know, these app fees were essentially a way for Apple to ensure that it can maintain security of its platform and it uses the funds to essentially maintain that security. Yet, I mean, did were was Apple, I, was Apple really able to argue that same factoid in regards to colorful Fortnite skins? There are kind of two separate issues at play. The first issue is whether Apple can charge any money at all to be on the App Store. Hmm. And that case, the judge found pretty convincing. There's also the question of whether the rate that Apple charges is, first of all, justified. And second of all, would be different if Apple had more competition on iOS in the form of something like third-party app stores. Right. And the ruling finds the first part of this pretty convincing and the second part of this not particularly convincing, in part because no one was really able to either prove or disprove that Apple makes incredibly high profit margins on the App Store. But it seems like it really does, but not to a level that quite reaches antitrust concerns. Well, yeah, I'm wondering how like they were able to delineate that just because it seems... I mean, what at what level does it really become antitrust behavior? So there's a lot of factors in play. It's not only profit margins, although mm-hmm. profit margins are a sign that maybe a market isn't competitive at all. Mm-hmm. In this case, the issues at play were first of all that there's this sort of duopoly between Android and iOS that you have other options if you don't want to play games on an iPhone and that the arrival of competitors like the Nintendo Switch ended up getting cited, that there was Mm. a big argument during the trial about whether the Switch is a mobile gaming device. (laughs) And Judge Gonzalez-Rogers basically said, yes, it is. It's too early really for it to be a huge player in the mobile gaming market compared to iOS and Android. But it shows that there are completely insurmountable barriers to entering this market. So Apple is very powerful and very wealthy. But at this point, it's, it's just successful. It's not monopolistic. 
specifically in mobile gaming. That's the other weird thing about this is that there are a lot of other app developers who could in the future bring lawsuits and those lawsuits could focus on different markets than the Epic versus Apple case. Yeah, you know, two arguments that uh, Epic did bring throughout this entire trial was the idea that, well, Epic, the Epic Game Store is a marketplace that um, exists on the PC platform and does show that competition has forced uh, it to have a much lower percentage compared to, let's say, Steam, and that, well, actually, let's go, let's go to that point first. I mean, was that an effective argument for Epic at all? It seems like there was, so the sort of thing that turned out to be relevant is this price war that has happened between Steam and Epic and the Microsoft Windows Store, that there have been these companies that have really rapidly dropped their prices potentially in response to each other. So that got cited positively as, yes, there are these forces on PC that even if they're not all about competition, even if some of them seem related to litigation, they don't seem to exist on iOS. <laughs> and I mean, there's also the argument that was brought up of the of programs that can be downloaded on Mac OS that doesn't have to be tied to the the Mac store, right? I mean, you can just go onto your Google onto Google and just like search for a program and download it and install it. Uh, and yet, there doesn't seem to be these like uh, very scary, otherworldly security issues happening on the Mac side, uh, as Apple claims could happen on the phone side. Right. The way that the ruling ended up spelling that out was. There's a world where iOS is set up like macOS, and that world isn't necessarily disastrous, that Apple's worst case scenarios are maybe a little bit hyperbolic. But the thing that Epic had to show was that it was a pretext that really Apple wouldn't lose anything if it opened up iOS from a security standpoint. It was purely a way to lock out competitors. And the ruling says that clearly doesn't seem right either, that it's not necessarily the only model Apple could have taken, but there are valid reasons for it to take that model. Yeah, I mean, what was in regards to having multiple stores on the uh, on iOS that you know Android has had has had that ability, but even then, largely most people download Android apps from the Google Play Store. I know Samsung had its own store, and Amazon, I think Amazon has an app store as well. Uh, so, I mean, it could could an argument be made that even opening it, opening the iOS to additional app stores really probably won't affect its margins too much? It's possible, although the interesting thing about that is that there is actually a state attorneys general lawsuit against Google for the it's alleging that it suppressed competition on third party app stores, mm -hmm. that it technically it will allow you to use something like Samsung or Amazon's app stores, but it hides it behind all of these warnings that tells you you're really screwing up your phone potentially, that it makes it harder to update these apps, that they've struck these sort of backroom deals that are supposedly making it harder to even get those apps, like to get apps through third party app stores. So if you believe that Google is operating anti-competitively, then weirdly, that makes it a, for a stronger argument that in a truly competitive market, you would actually see a bigger effect on Apple's profit margins if it allowed third-party stores. That if you genuinely had third-party stores that were about as convenient to use as the App Store, that it's possibly they actually would be adopted more than we've seen on Android so far. Well, you know, let's uh, move over to Fortnite itself, as this is an esports podcast. So, uh, when it comes to Fortnite, now I, th I think people are wondering, like, when will it actually come back to iOS platforms? 
it is not clear and it is not particularly encouraging. So the ruling says that not only does Apple have to put not have to put Fortnite back on the store, they could also terminate other Epic accounts. So Epic can't really get Fortnite back on the store unless it agrees to Apple's terms. And it doesn't necessarily look like Epic's going to do that. Tim Sweeney, um, who's, of course, Epic's CEO, tweeted that they were going to bring Fortnite back when they could secure fair terms, which makes it sound like it's going to continue to be a bargaining chip in an ongoing appeal. Mm. Does Apple really care to have Fortnite on, on iOS? I think there's no reason not to believe Apple when it says that it would welcome Fortnite back to the store. Mm-hmm. Um, but also one of the things the trial revealed was that iOS was a really negligible platform for Fortnite, that it was just a, a fraction of the user base. So it's not necessarily clear that they're going to work really hard to get back on the store. Hmm. I mean, do you see Apple's terms of service changing uh, regarding uh this recent ruling, I mean, I know that just like a week or two before the actual ruling occurred uh, regarding what Netflix in or uh, regarding a ruling from a Japanese board that Apple had to essentially change some of its policies around payment. So there's a, sort of a few procedural things that maybe could make what I'm saying not correct. Like if Apple appeals and it wins a stay of the order so it doesn't go into effect. Hmm. But otherwise, they're probably going to have to change their policies to let developers put in buttons and links that will direct people out to other apps or the web where they can find other ways to pay for things. That Apple has said that it doesn't really know exactly what that rewrite would look like yet, but it's not... It's a change that is potentially very important if there is a real concerted effort for especially major developers to try to seriously route people out of the App Store altogether. If they decide that the friction of pushing people into Safari, say, for a little while is worth it, then at that point, the issue is that Apple could come up with other ways to try to collect a commission, that it's not legally bound to only collect a commission through in-app purchases through the App Store system. So if a bunch of developers do successfully manage to route a bunch of money out of the App Store this way, then we could see a larger rewrite of the rules. Hmm. If it turns out that most people don't actually really want to leave the App Store, that they just really like the in-app purchase system, then it's probably going to be fairly negligible. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I never really kind of understood about uh, Apple's argument in the in the fees that it was charging was that you know it's saying that we need to take this between 15 to 30 percent cut to ensure the security of our platform but if you look at those fees that's greatly over the fees that the credit card companies charge whether it be visa mastercard or american express which you know just charge between i believe one to four percentage points based on uh, the card you use and that's also looping in other rewards that they that they give to its customers and whatnot so apple is essentially saying that you know uh Either our security is just so good that it costs this much that it's like it's even better than the credit card companies or that, um, <laughs> you know, we're able to get away with this. So let's uh, let's just let us keep our rates. I mean, it, I mean, you know, if if like Epic Game Stores was just to, it was able to link out to either your banking app or to an actual credit card system like ones by Visa or MasterCard or American Express. I mean, wouldn't that just ensure the same level of security that Apple is arguing for? 
So one part of the lawsuit was about security, which was, yes, if you allow a bunch of different payment processors into our store, then we can't personally guarantee that they're going to work as well, whereas we have really seriously vetted our system, um, which the ruling is sort of lukewarm on. It says that's mm-hmm. maybe reasonable. It's not the central part of this argument. The bigger issue is really just that Apple says this 30% or 15% fee is not actually a payment processing fee. It includes payment processing, Mm -hmm. but the thing we're charging for is that the vast majority of developers don't really pay that much to be on the store. They pay a sort of annual developer's fee. And what we're doing here is saying our app store provides all of this value. And the way that we're going to collect our commission is that whenever you sell digital goods, you're going to give us a cut of it. Hmm. Okay, so it's pretty matter of fact in that sense. Yeah, and it's a matter of argument whether it is worth that and whether Mm -hmm. if you start using analogies, then you start getting into some really strange places, which is, say, if you meet someone through a service and you buy something, then do they, does that service, are they owed a cut of everything you sell forever? Or is it sort of like, just look, this is a store, Apple takes a commission. Hmm. It was, you know, in, in regarding mobile esports, uh, right now the big games in the space continue to be like Green of Free Fire or PUBG Mobile, uh, where, you know, whereas Fortnite, which might be popular in North America, really doesn't have that kind of worldwide appeal. And uh, at the point in time, well, at, at least per this lawsuit, I, I, there's what kind of a 90 day limit in which Apple has to implement these uh, abilities for developers to allow for new payment methods. So, I mean, when Garena Free Fire or PUBG Mobile essentially start linking out and saying, hey, you want to buy that golden gun? Uh, do you uh, how do you think that there's going to be some kind of like <laughs> adverse reaction from Apple or is, is Apple going to try to coerce developers into like staying within its app store ecosystem? It's hard to say because it depends on whether the built-in friction of the system is enough to make it not a particularly big concern for Apple. So just Mm -hmm. to be clear, you can't, because this is genuinely confusing, you cannot put (laughs) additional payment methods into your app. What you have to do is that you have to essentially have a separate store and say, we're going to link you out to this other store in another app probably the web. And a big focal point of the trial was that you could do this already to an extent. You just couldn't tell app users about it directly. And that it adds a point of friction that if you're buying stuff on mobile, potentially is actually a real problem for developers because of a lot of these purchases are impulse purchases. And, you know, when it comes to now, this this brings up a lot of interesting kind of questions about like what the future of the model will be, and to what extent? I mean, to what extent we would even see uh, certain games even try to jump out and create separate payment systems if it if it ultimately means that people are going to be buying less. So they can't get rid of the apps, uh, the Apple in-app purchasing system. So what you have sort of at the strongest for these developers is that you go to buy something like Fortnite V-Bucks, you have two options. One of them says direct payment through us. One of them says app store payment. And one of them, the app store payment version is much potentially much more seamless that you just sort of hit a button, it goes through the system you're used to, or you click the other option and it routes you through Safari. 
And so there's not really necessarily a world where people buy less, but there is a world where people decide they just don't want to use this weird wonky other option. They're just going to use the thing they're used to, which is the thing that gives Apple its commission. Yeah, yeah. and I'm sure that there are going to be some people who are going to be really kind of uh, confused as to why the app is suddenly pulling me out and putting me into Safari and asking me to put my credit card information elsewhere. Right. Uh, Yeah, so I mean, we'll continue just following you know, these potential appeals and developments and really kind of seeing, you know, if it's going to continue affecting this kind of competitive mobile gaming space. But Adi, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us your insight. Yeah, it's been fun doing this. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwamad.com. To follow Adi and the work she's doing at The Verge, you can find her at The Dextriarchy on Twitter. That's T-H-E-D-E-X-T-R-I-A-R-C-H-Y. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Damore and Jacob Wolf. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Sam Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.